Now, back to Hancock and Kelly, sponsored by Insperity, HR that makes a difference, on News Radio 1120, KMOX. Gotta love a little Phil Collins on a Friday morning in St. Louis. John Hancock alongside Michael Kelly. And joining us right now on our guest line is CBS News congressional correspondent Scott McFarland. Scott, thanks so much for your time. It looks like in the Senate uh, they're getting closer maybe uh, to having an agreement on this uh, border slash Ukraine funding package. And we might have some, some verbiage out as early as this weekend. Yeah, it could be by Sunday, according to Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. Let me just speak on behalf of the entire congressional press corps. We love when they do major things on Saturdays and Sundays. That's the <laughs> best. We have had months to release this thing. Um, this is potentially a landmark piece of legislation. If you think about it, immigration, border security laws, they pass Congress once in a generation, if they're lucky. It's such a thorny, tricky issue. They so seldom can come to agreement on changes. But they've also tied into this the tens of billions of dollars that have been requested by the Biden administration for Ukraine, for Israel, for Taiwan. Money the administration said was so emergent that they needed to have it by the end of December 2023. Could be on paper by this weekend for passage this month, but even if it does pass the U.S. Senate, which is far from a guarantee, um, the pathway is treacherous to get it through the U.S. House and into law. Yeah, I mean, it's probably a foregone conclusion that this thing is dead. So my question is, uh, Western Europe has just pumped in over $50 billion for support for Ukraine. Uh, that's just happening now. Uh, what happens with U.S. support of Ukraine, assuming that this border deal fails either in the Senate or certainly in the House? Well, it's going to have to be a plan B, right? I mean, the Republicans um, have been leaking support for money for Ukraine over recent weeks, not just in the House, but in the Senate. I brought this question to Senator Eric Schmidt and said, do your constituents support? Don't they support giving money to Ukraine to fight back Russia? And Senator Schmidt said, no, they don't. I think he may be speaking a bit broadly for everybody in Missouri. There's probably a great divergence of opinions there. But the fact that he's saying it outwardly is indicative of where Republicans are in the Senate. There are many who don't think tie immigration to it or not. They're going to spend money for Ukraine. And that's true even more so in the U.S. House. So that's a particularly intransigent problem. You can split up the Ukraine money, try to pass it separately, but you still have opposition. It was the Republicans' idea to tie border security to Ukraine money. Now it's the Republicans who seem to be vocalizing their opposition to doing either of those two things based on what they've heard about the compromise cut by Democrats and Republicans. I don't know how they get out of this. Well, is it the compromise, uh, Scott McFarlane, or is it the fact that the former president has decided this is what he wants to run on and he's put out the word to his folks, which one would be an Eric Schmidt, that this is the pathway we're going for. The border deal is dead. It sure doesn't help. I mean, there are such ardent Trump loyalists in the U.S. House who not only want to support Donald Trump and his campaign, but keep this in mind. We're getting real close to congressional primaries, too. It's not just Super Tuesday that you know the Republicans will choose Donald Trump. Republicans are going to choose their candidates in lots of congressional races on March 5th. And the last thing a lot of Republicans want to do is leave themselves vulnerable to being outflanked to the right by a primary challenger. So 
at this moment on the calendar and with Donald Trump's words that this bill should be dead, the bill's in real dire straits. Yeah, it's, it looks to me like it is. And um, I am going to be curious to see what it, the, it actually contains, though. And then maybe that's a blueprint for something down the road. Who knows? But you're right, Scott McFarlane. We, we are. We've entered a political election season. And one of the things that folks are going to really have an eye on across the country is control of the U.S. Senate. And we're beginning to see some of these races shape up. I'm looking at the race in Pennsylvania in particular. Uh, Senator Casey, the Democrat, uh, Dave McCormick, a Republican hedge fund billionaire, is uh, looks like the candidate of choice for the GOP. Are we are we having are we seeing a lot of primaries where there are pro-Trump Republicans running against more establishment Republicans? And is Pennsylvania one of those? Certainly a possibility. Um, I, I wouldn't rule that out, and that's especially true in U.S. House races where there are multiple candidates pursuing parties' nomination, and Donald Trump's endorsement is still a silver bullet, if not more so than ever, in Republican primaries. Um, the Senate map is tragically bad for Democrats. All of their toughest races seem to be on the calendar this November, not just Pennsylvania, Ohio, West Virginia, Montana, Wisconsin, Arizona, where they have seats where Republicans tend to win, that's where Democrats are defending. And they've already kind of lost West Virginia. Joe Manchin's retiring. There's no other Democrat who could reasonably be expected to win West Virginia. So they can lose just one more Senate seat and then lose their majority. And that's only if Joe Biden wins re-election. If Joe Biden doesn't win re-election, Republicans pretty much have locked in the Senate majority. And here's the thing. and There's really no way of getting around this. It's hard to read some of these so-called swing states. In a pre-Trump era, Claire McCaskill could win Missouri. In a pre-Trump era, Joe Manchin could coast in West Virginia. In a Trump era, who knows the calculus of these states? Who knows where they're going to go when he's on the ballot, too? I think there's, there's a true possibility Democrats will lose a lot more than they expect this year. But at the same time, for those who want to be bullish for Democrats, The U.S. House could flip back to Democrats just as easily. The margins are incredibly narrow for the House majority. Some of the redrawn congressional maps, especially in New York, could be very bad news for Republicans. And is anybody out there thrilled with the work of House Republicans over the last year, ousting a speaker, struggling to elect a new one, having two near-government shutdowns, and at this point, having basic-level things collapse on the floor? Yeah, and to that, Speaker Mike Johnson, he met a lot of the same resistance when he went and worked on the other side of the aisle on the budget deals. Uh, and uh, there was this rumble that he may face the, the same fate that Matt Gates brought to uh, my, uh, Speaker McCarthy. Uh, is that continuing to rage or is that same to have simmered down a bit? Oh, I, I think it's at risk of flaring up. Um, he's on his 100th day today as Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. And what he's done, at least at least one major time, if not more, is cut deals with Democrats to do the basic blocking and tackling of the U.S. House, keep the government open, to ensure there's no large-scale crises. He's putting bills on the floor to get more Democratic votes than Republican votes. He's likely going to have to do that again in March to keep the government open. What if he does that on the border security Ukraine money? Whew! They'll be calling for his job. That's the same thing that cost Kevin McCarthy his job. 
He kept the government open September 30th, 2023, by relying on more Democratic votes than Republicans. I would say Mike Johnson is especially vulnerable to this. I would also add, if the Republicans lose the House majority for the reasons I just mentioned, well, I wouldn't think Mike Johnson keeps his gig leading the party. That's Scott McFarlane. Always appreciate his insight. He's a congressional correspondent for CBS News. Scott, thanks so much for your time. Have a good weekend. I hope you don't have to read a bunch of legislation over the weekend, <laughs> but at least it's not you the and Super me Bowl. both, brother. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you much.